Hola. Hello. Konnichiwa. All right. So I actually don't really speak a whole lot of, uh, uh, of German or Japanese, but I do know language is not the only barrier to teaching internationally. I'm Becky Pike-Pluth with the Bob Pike Group, and today we're looking at how can we really focus on the different nationalities within our team, as well as when we're training, what are some things to just consider high level that would be helpful for each and every one of us as we try to connect better with one another. The first thing I that is just top of mind is that uh, a couple of things about different cultures. So if you're German or Finnish, the truth is the truth and it's one way, black and white. But in Japan and Britain, it's all right if it doesn't rock the boat. So truth is, is yeah, it's there, but if it's not rocking the boat, if it's not too wild, then it's okay. But in China, there's no absolute truth. And in Italy, it's totally negotiable. If you've been to any of those countries, you'll you'll kind of get my generalization. And so with cultures being very different and even just how they view truth, can you imagine how they view education, how they view just connecting with one another? So as you look at either teaching and or connecting with learners from different um, cultures, one thing besides truth is contracts and ethics. So if you're working with someone else and you have a, a contract, right, from language to language, it should mean the same thing. However, like truth, it has many interpretations. So a contract in some nations is a formal document that has to be signed and should be adhered to. And, and it's the signature that gives it that sense of finality. But in other cultures, a contract is a starting document to be written, modified as circumstances require. So it's very flexible. And then others view it as ideal. What is, you know, it's unlikely to be achieved, but it's signed to avoid argument. And so as you're looking at how you're going to work with peers, maybe you're training with someone from a different culture than yourself, making sure that the words that we use have the same meaning is important. So when you say we need to develop uh, this XYZ material, agreeing to certain terms, definitions, saying, does this mean the same thing to you when we sign this contract? Is it flexible for you or is this, this is what we're going to follow and adhere to? So asking questions becomes a really important uh, element of working culturally uh, in different worlds, different languages, we want to make sure if they're flexible that we know that so that we can kind of follow along to their rules, as it were, versus just our rules as Americans. It's not always right. It's just different. What about common sense? Well, in America, uh, the word common sense is treated carefully, right? It's not as common as it might seem. But in British dictionaries, they define common sense as judgment gained from experience rather than study. Whereas in America, it's judgment that is sound but unsophisticated. We have different definitions and every single culture also has a different definition for what they think that means. And so just because we think it's common sense to be interactive and engaging in the classroom, someone else might view common sense differently and say, oh, well, no, that doesn't make sense. That's not, that's not what we want them 
to know about or learn about. And it's actually not really an important piece. Another thing to consider is silence. When you're teaching, silence can be interpreted in different ways to different cultures. So in, um, let's say you're using silence in reaction to somebody proposing a possible class to you. In, in America, we view that as maybe negative. Uh-oh, I just gave my boss this document with what I think would be great for the next training class, and they're not saying a word. The same would be true if you're German or French or European or Arab. That would be the same for each of those cultures. It seems negative. However, countries that are dissimilar to us in the U.S. would be like Peru or Kuwait. The conversation is more of a two-way process where one one takes off where the other leaves off. And interviewing, um, the, you know, like the silence of two or three seconds um, is hardly noticeable in other countries like France or Italy. And so we need to make sure that whoever we're working with when we're training – if we're using silence as a way for them to think, we need to always say, I'm going to give you the next 30 seconds in silence for you to consider. And we're verbalizing the silence so that it becomes a little more uh, comfortable for all of the cultures represented. Remember, people are thinking in their own languages first and then having to translate it to the language being presented in. And so we want to make sure that we give people time to figure out what we've just taught in their own language. So as you consider just working with peers that might be culturally diverse or even teaching cross-culturally, remember to just go back to the basics be considerate of how you work with one another and even just verbalizing why you're going to have silence or why you're doing what you're doing. I'm Becky Pike-Pluth and this is the Bob Pike Group's Creative Training Tip for You.